Chapter 5 Hemmel discovered a radio station he liked shortly after his arrival. He'd been taken by the music's swirling organ. It was an evil sound, an evil much like himself. It was hidden throughout many of the songs. It lay beneath other noises like a layer of rich cream, certain times bubbling to the surface in swells. Sometimes it led, other times it followed. It was intrusive, but welcome, and it was always humming, even when not being played. It was as eerie as eerie could be, and it was apparently quite popular. Hemmel had never played a musical instrument. He'd never heard such music before, but it suited his mood, so he left it on. He even turned it up, his hands like black stones spiking from an ocean at night rested on the steering wheel, side by side, tapping along to the song. He drove a long, white hearse. He'd found it parked on an empty road by a funeral home. He liked driving. It was peaceful and allowed his mind to wander. He knew all that had been. The future was too dark to see, but the past were all pages in his book, a book that gone missing she had taken it with her. A chase could be thrilling, though. Existing had become boring lately. Perhaps she'd been right to grow restless. He thought about this as the hearse entered the woods. There could be so many reasons for her running away, but only one outcome he would allow. That was to find her and bring her back. He knew the road he'd taken would only lead to a further search. But without his book, there was no certainty. He wanted certainty back. He'd go where he'd known to go, and then go from there. There was no other option. The slender white car pierced through the trees like a fragment of bone through tender muscle, weaving like a needle and shining like a blade. He reached the driveway and rolled down his window. He sniffed the air. She was no longer here. All he could smell was smoke and death. He sucked in a last breath and pulled down the drive, parking by the house's display of broken vehicles and nailed up hides. He shut the radio off and killed the engine, pulling the keys from the steering column and throwing them onto the dash. He'd taken to throwing things since she escaped. It was his way of coping. He looked through the windshield, wanting this to be the end. But in the marbled eyes of a deer head hanging from a post, he saw there was no real end to anything, only brief release. He opened his door and climbed out. He was thin as wire and seven feet tall. A red robe covered him entirely, draping over his spiked shoulders and falling straight into the grass. A hood hung over his face like a loose intestine sagging at his chest. He pulled his staff out of the back seat, shut the door, and floated up the yard and onto the porch. He rapped at the door with the ball end of his staff. His knocking sounded like bullets echoing through the woods. No one answered. He rapped again, harder this time, 
muffling a grunt. Again, no one answered. He rose from the steps and moved in flight, this time around the house to the backyard, minding a fallen gutter and nearly folding himself in half to duck beneath it. He could hear the man breathing. The sacrifice he'd requested was there, smoldering on a three-pronged pit, just like he'd told the man to do. The carcass had turned to ashes, but pain still existed somewhere inside it. He was early, but not early enough. Something had already happened here. Something had gone wrong. He lifted the hem of his robe and glided into the cellar with his staff pointed toward the sky. He reached the stone floor and hovered in the darkness, sensing the man's presence right in front of him. He pulled the light bulb chain for no better reason than to scare the man. The cellar burst with light and the man fell back in terror, screaming and shielding his eyes. Himmel was bent at the waist and knees to fit beneath the low ceiling. And as the man looked up in horror, Himmel spread his long arms and filled the room with the shining fabric of his robe. Like a cloud of blood, red eclipsed the light. Then he tapped the man on the chest with his staff and lifted back his hood. Himmel looked much like the man had imagined. His face was just a hollow skull of mottled skin and his eyes were empty sockets. But white hairs wove along the crown of his head, draping over his earless temples and falling just below his jaw. He had horns. They were wide and not equal in size. The man had never seen anything like them before. They grew out from his face like the uneven arms of a crab. Himmel stared at the man and poked him again with the staff. Where is she? he asked. His voice was sharp and painful. The man flailed beneath him, cupping his ears. Hemmel backed away and took a seat on the lowest cellar step, folding his long arms and lying his staff across his legs. He sighed, waiting for the man to calm down. His appearance always had this effect on people. He changed his tone, using the mediocre voice he'd used to call the man on the phone. The man drew in a breath and listened. What happened? Himmel asked. The man sat up, pulled off his hat. I did just what you said, he muttered, but I made a mistake. Himmel just stared at him. I thought he was you, the man continued his hands trembling. No one ever comes around here. But a man came by just like you told me you were going to do. He showed up in red, too, just like you said you were going to do. Except he had a bright red sports car. I gave her to him. He didn't give me any reason to think otherwise. You're telling the truth, Hill said. How is this possible? He must be an enemy of yours, the man said. Hemel thought this over and shook his head. I've never had an enemy, he said, but it appears an enemy has finally come. He was an old man in a leather jacket, the man said. He had white hair and pink skin 
and he was carrying a gun. Tell me more about his car, Nimmel said. It was a red Dodge Charger with a big engine. It had a strange license plate. It was a short name with a few numbers. I can't quite remember what it said. Himmel rose and floated back across the room. He poked the man with the staff. What did he pay you? He asked, his empty eyes growing angry. Five hundred in cash, the man said, reaching into his pocket. It's right here. He pulled out the bills and held them up into the dusty light. Hemmel took the money and counted it, inspecting the bills like they were filth stuck to his hands. He drew up his staff and pulled at its ball end. A slender blade as round as a needle and nearly as thin slid out from inside. He held it like a sword and pointed it at the man's chest. Then he drove it through him and lifted him off the floor by it. The man gagged and choked as the blade went through his ribs, out his back, and into the dirt wall behind him, pinning him to it like an insect on display. She bit you, Hemel whispered. I can smell it. The man tried to scream, but his mouth filled with blood. There is no end for you now, Hemel said. Only brief release. Enjoy it. He looked the man over and frowned. Then he pulled his hood back over himself, retracted the blade, and floated up into the yard. He rounded the house and quickly climbed in behind the wheel of the hearse, tossing his staff into the seat beside him. Then he turned the car around and took off toward the main road.